blessed greetings and welcome back to this week's episode of Tuesday Tune-Up with Pastor Shirley Johnson. It has been a hectically wonderful past few days and I've been looking forward to spending time in the Word of God with all of you. You constantly bless me with your presence and I'm so honored to have you tuning in. Today's topic, none of it, focuses on the goodness of God that has been extended to us even though we deserved, well, none of it. From salvation and healing to deliverance and peace, God has demonstrated his love towards us and if we're going to establish true relationship with him, then we must change our response to his love through our actions. We will explore how implementing specific practices in our Christian experience can enhance our relationship with the Father, create greater intimacy with Jesus, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, impact the kingdom of God overall. But first, let us pray and prepare to get tuned up in the Word of God together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come boldly before your throne of grace, boldly as children coming before their Father to obtain mercy. We are so eternally grateful for your love demonstrated to us, and we desire to live our lives in a manner that is pleasing to you and a manner that honors you. Help us to acknowledge areas of our lives where we need to grow and develop so that we can be lock and step with your purpose for our lives and fight the good fight of faith with agility, stamina, and a purposed heart. Amen. Well, without further ado, let's dive right into none of it. There was an article written in the New York Post about a New York couple who were struggling to get their 30-year-old son, Michael, to move out of their home. He had apparently moved back home eight years prior after falling on hard times as he attempted to get back on his feet. That was until Michael got comfortable. Then days turned to weeks, weeks to months, and months to years. Over time, Michael felt that he was entitled to live in his parents' home indefinitely because it was his home too. As parents, it was important to them to support Michael's independence and wanted him to make the move wisely. They offered great parental advice, gave him ideas on ways to obtain a viable job and maintain his own residence, but over time, Michael just dragged his heels. They had tried every measure possible from helping him look for work to organizing his belongings into categories of what he should keep, sell, or just dispose of when he made his big move. While some might see the parents' actions as big and not so subtle hit, Michael seemed oblivious to it. In an act of ultimate desperation, Michael's parents offered to pay him to move out. Michael accepted the money and then took it to pay a bill and still did not move out. Despite their efforts, nothing worked. Their son simply dug his heels in deeper, refusing to move from their home. The parents had given their son several eviction notices, notices that he ignored. And after eight years of fighting with Michael to move, they decided it was time to take this battle to their county Supreme Court. Feeling completely frustrated and at wit's end, his parents did what he thought was unthinkable. They brought a lawsuit to sue and evict him permanently from their home. The judge decided the case in the favor of the parents and Michael was furious. He felt they had no right to evict him and not to allow him to live in their home until, well, whenever he decided to leave. When the reporter asked Michael about his feelings on the decision, he replied, it's really unfair to me and really outrageous. 
I really don't want to stay here. I've been trying to leave here for a long time. And then they stopped feeding me and they cut off my family's phone plan. Did I mention that Michael was on the precipice of his 31st birthday? The reporter then asked Michael whether his parents were showing him tough love. (laughs) He replied, I don't think trying to destroy somebody is tough love. It is clear to see that Michael has an entitlement attitude about living in his parents' home. And while we might shrug and say, well, this is an isolated and extreme incident, it really isn't. In fact, this is a reality of the culture of our society today. A society which encourages and promotes entitlement. It supports the idea that someone or some system owes us something that we want or need simply because we want or need it. We have come to confuse rights with privileges. And as with Michael, it is sometimes to our own peril. In Michael's case, his parents owed it to him to let him live in their home, consume all of their resources, and should not have to pay his way merely because they are his parents. It was their job and responsibility to take care of him, even though he was on the verge of turning 31. The danger here, well, beyond the obvious, is that we will often apply the same mindset and attitude to our relationships with God. We take on a spirit of entitlement, believing that God owes us the benefits that we so graciously enjoy because of the cross. In actuality, these are really privileges of covenant relationship extended to us through grace, not due to any account of our own. This principle is made clear in Ephesians 2, 6-9, which states, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We cannot boast because we have not earned anything. All the credit and subsequent glory belongs to God. Grace is given so lovingly and freely that we sometimes take for granted and feel entitled or deserving of salvation, healing, deliverance, love, joy, peace, mercy, goodness, and all of the other extraordinary blessings of the kingdom. The list of benefits, far too expansive to mention here, have all been given out of love even though we deserved none of it. In fact, every act of love was extended to us by grace. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, it reminds us of this principle. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions or sins. It is by grace you have been saved. We are the undeserved. We have been covered by mercy and grace. No, we are not entitled. Instead, we are sin debt holders who owed a price we could not pay because the cost of sin is death. And Jesus was the only acceptable payment. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I know what it feels like to be lovingly restored and completely forgiving, yet deserving none of it. The sentiment has been my life story, my salvation station, my staycation when I, all I wanted to do was vacate. Undeserving, I ran 
and approached the Father and had my needs fulfilled. As it is written in Hebrews 4.16, when we approach the throne of God with confidence, we are offered grace and mercy, which aids us in our time of need. Jesus died to give us a love beyond compare, a love that covered our sins, even when we should have been exposed by them. We say we love Jesus, not realizing that he made the first move. 1 John 4, 18 through 20 reminds us that our love towards Jesus results out of his love for us. We love because he first loved us. It was not a result of our benevolence, our good-heartedness, or our selflessness. We did not love him because there was so much compassion in us. To the contrary, we were none of those things until we were made over through conversion in Christ. So for all of the love we have received, we deserved none of it. Forgiveness. One of the primary staples of being in relationship with God through Jesus was extended to us on the cross. An act of love designed to redeem and restore us to the Father. We are not entitled to forgiveness. We are not worthy of forgiveness. We were born sinners with a death, a death sentence as our future plight. Forgiveness? No, we deserved none of it. We are reminded in Psalms 51, 3 through 5, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge me. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the moment my mother conceived me. Yet Jesus chose to die for us anyway. In Matthew 15, 26, we learn that Jesus was sent to the house of Israel, not to the Gentiles. Yet grace extended through Christ made healing our heirloom. Sickness and disease should have been our reward. However, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 and 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Despite our unworthiness, healing was granted to us, even though we deserved none of it. There is an unearned privilege that we are blessed to have walking in covenant relationship with God. Not only were we not the redeemed of the Lord, but in many cases, we were the rejecters of the Lord, and unafraid to say so. Despite our rejection, relationship was given to us anyway. Jesus exchanged our rejection for intimacy and made strength our part. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever intimate relationship cultivated in us, even though we deserve none of it. We are not children of God by birthright, but adopted by choice. We have a heavenly inheritance that has been provided to us simply because of the Father's matchless love for us. We know the extent of the Father's love when we read Ephesians 1, 4-6. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption and sonship through Jesus Christ. In according with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one, Jesus Christ, whom he loves. Notwithstanding being born into spiritual poverty and shamefulness, we have been given an inheritance, a legacy, 
rich in character, even though we deserved none of it. The beauty in Christ is that the blessing given to us, salvation, love, forgiveness, healing, covenant relationship, and inheritance, as well as so much more, it was never determined by our actions, our commitment, our ability to respond to the compassion of the cross, rather in God's desire to do it for us alone. Deservedness was never even considered. God already knew that we merited none of it. However, what this means to us as believers, as Christians, is that now we have an obligation to holy living in response to what was already done. 2 Timothy 1 and 9 declares that he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything that we've done, but because his own purpose and grace, grace given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Perhaps you're saying, Pastor Shirley, how can we live holy? Well, I'm glad you asked. First, we must remember that God would never call us to be or to do anything that he has not equipped us for or given us the ability to accomplish. He's just not cruel that way. If we truly desire to enhance our relationship with the Father, create greater intimacy with Jesus, and with the help of the Holy Spirit impact the kingdom of God, then I have some tools that will aid us on our journey. There are three simple things we can do on a regular basis that will equip us for holy living and improve our connection with God. Number one, rely on the help of the Holy Spirit. Number two, relinquish our plans to God's will. And lastly, trust in God's timing. Do not get ahead of him or attempt to do life on your own. Relying on the help of the Holy Spirit is so important. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the inner witness because he warns us when we need to pause, turn around, or move forward. According to Titus 2 and 11 and 12, for the grace of God has appeared and that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. When it comes to relinquishing our plans to God's will, It's so important to us moving forward in a healthy relationship with God. When we do this, we allow the opportunities for him to move in our lives and perfect us. Proverbs 619 reminds us that we make plans in our heart, but it's the Lord who establishes our steps. Therefore, we must stop trying to put God's will into our plans. In fact, if we're going to be successful, then we must adjust our plans to fit into God's will. Perhaps this is the reason that Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 instructs us to trust the Lord with all of our heart and lean not into our own understanding. In all of our ways, we're encouraged to acknowledge him so that he can direct our path. When we trust in God's timing and do not get ahead of him or attempt to do life on our own, we are positioning ourselves for the leadership and headship of God. Psalms 27, 14 encourages us to wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen our hearts. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Waiting can be a struggle at times and feel as though God has forgotten about you or is ignoring your prayers. But often this is when God is the busiest, busy preparing you for advancement, busy strengthening your resolve, busy removing people and obstacles that are hindering your destiny, busy setting supportive people in place to show you favor as observed in Psalms 37, 34. 
Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I've been encouraged and strengthened by this message, and I pray it feeds your life and spiritual walk too. Holy living is not only a requirement, but is also doable. When we make simple strides daily, we will look up and be so much farther along in our relationship with God than where we started. So during this week, practice these tools that we've outlined in our lesson. Partner with a friend and hold one another accountable so that we can continue to grow and impact the kingdom of God together. As has become our custom, perhaps we have someone listening today who does not know Jesus as your personal Savior, but would like to give your life to Him. If this is you, please repeat after me. Father, I know that I am a sinner, but right now I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in my heart that you have raised Him from the dead and that through my confession I am saved. Jesus is my personal Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Teach me more about your love and how I can love others. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray that prayer with us, please send me a message. I would love to praise God with you and welcome you to the family of Christ. Be sure to get connected to a teaching church in your community where you can grow in the knowledge of God, be encouraged through Christian fellowship, and increase your faith. I praise God for you and I am so excited about your amazing journey. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened and that we clearly see your purpose and plan for our lives. Thank you that we are no longer look at our situations through carnal eyes, but through the heart of your word. So as a recipient of your love and grace, your mercy and favor and faithfulness, we worship you in spirit and in truth, for you have caused all grace to abound towards us. You have given revelation and insight into those things that were confusing and made all the crooked ways straight. We praise you for your bountiful blessing and immense favor over our lives. Amen. Well, it has certainly been a pleasure spending time in the Word of God with you. Have a great week. Have a tuned up week. And I'll see you next time.